0: Praise the Lord and good evening, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Narda Goodson Ministries' teaching broadcast. I am Narda Goodson, your host, and tonight I have a word from the Lord, amen, and this word will transform your life if you apply the principles of God's word through faith and obedience. Glory to God. So strap yourself in in your seat. Put that seatbelt on and tighten it because this word is going to uproot some things in our lives tonight. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We are here once again in your presence, thanking you for your mercy that you extend to us week after week. And as we grow in the knowledge and truth of your word, Father, we thank you that you are grounding us, you are establishing us. So spirit of the living God, we thank you for falling afresh on this, on this broadcast. We come empty so that you can fill us. Fill this line, fill our hearts, fill our minds. Permeate the atmosphere of this meeting with your glory, and as you do, let it disrupt every satanic force of darkness. Let it even now interrupt every demonic interference that would attempt to hinder your word from falling on good ground. I speak to the principalities and the powers of the air. I neutralize your activity. I silence your voices. I shut down and blind monitoring eyes and release the anointing of Yeshua. Lord, I ask that you send your holy angels even now to chase our enemies with the fire and the sword and to pave the path for the souls that will be gleaned tonight. Let it fall on good ground and let it it yield a hundredfold return. Expose your heart and your mind to us once again, Father, and lead us in the way of life everlasting. We invite you to shatter our ignorances with your knowledge. Destroy our ideologies. Tear down our theories and conclusions. Let your word pulverize through our opinions, invade our religious mindset and uproot any false teaching and let them be replaced by the power of your truth. Let your wisdom be multiplied and let it hover over us and let it wrap itself around us to protect the knowledge and the wisdom that will drop from heaven tonight blanket us with your truth let this serve as a shield to protect and cover our minds like a powerful helmet bring the light of your truth and let it shine on our ways O god keep this knowledge from being polluted pimped and twisted keep it from the abuser and keep it from being stolen by the one who comes to steal kill and destroy now i ask that you father respond to those who are calling on your name and waiting to hear on their instructions and directions from you For those who are sincerely seeking your face, who want to learn more of you, answer their prayers tonight. And as I submit myself to your Lordship, Holy Spirit, you are the teacher, so teach us tonight. Instruct us on how we ought to live. Now, Holy Ghost, feel this word in our hearts as we give ourselves to you in Yeshua's name, the name that is above every name. Amen and amen. Well, I want to talk to you um, tonight on cinders and, and strange fires that burn at the cinders. And, you know, Cinderella got her name because she was always at the cinders. And when I think about the cinders, the fireplace, the place of burning, the place where there's a lot of ashes, but within the ashes you'll also find the beautiful glow of embers blowing and burning. You see, the cinders of light, there is always an altar set up, even if you don't know what's there. So my question to you tonight is this, what strange fires are burning on your altar? When we read in Leviticus chapter 8, Aaron and his sons are anointed for the priesthood. And at the end of Uh, Chapter 9, we find that the children of Israel had just experienced a tremendous supernatural encounter. God had accepted the sacrifice of the priest, and so the flaming, uh, the flashing flame of his Shekinah glory rested upon the sacrifice. And in the form of a cloud, he appears to them. God has showed up in their church service. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I've experienced the Shekinah glory that would fill our services back home when I was a teenager growing up in in my spiritual parents' home church. The presence of the Lord and His glory would be so thick that the preacher couldn't even stand to minister as we laid prostrated on the floor in worship. So I can imagine how the people must have marveled and fallen on their faces in worship. But then. We move on to chapter 10, and immediately this, this scene of triumph and glory turns into a script of tragedy. Now, there's a lot to read, so you're going to have to take your time and read chapter 8, 9, and 10. Chapter 10 opens with Nadab, and that's of, Le- of Leviticus, okay? So chapter 10 of Leviticus opens with Nadab and Abihu, two of the four sons of Aaron fulfilling their priestly duties, but in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, in a flash, they are all of a sudden, poof, they're gone. The sudden tragic stroke of God's judgment occurs, and now everyone that was basking in the Shekinah glory, they're left in shock, they're stunned, they're stupefied, and they're shaken. The very Shekinah glory that had destroyed and consumed the sacrifice one week earlier had now consumed the priest. What happened? And why did God judge them so severely? You see, in the previous chapters, you will find if you read them, so that's your homework, okay? Okay. That God had given Moses specific instructions to teach the priests on how they were to prepare and officiate the different types of sacrifices and offerings on the altar. It was strictly by God's design, and it was expected to be followed to the teeth. So again, we ask, what happened? Aaron's two sons, Nadab and Abihu, decided... That they were going to substitute a different type of incense that the Lord had not approved. And this disobedience is what evoked an immediate judgment from the Lord, and as a result, their lives were forfeited. These sons of Aaron had been raised and prepared for the ministry of the priestly service. They were taught and they were shown everything they were supposed to do. Now, the scriptures. They don't reveal to us the exact reasons behind their decision, but what is clear is that their decision to not follow what they had been prepared for and commanded and trusted to do cost them their life. One can only, you know, we can only begin to speculate the reasons, okay? Did they believe that they could just, you know, choose their own senses and, and provide any kind of incense they wanted? Maybe they preferred a more popular fragrance instead of what God had already, you know, approved, which was frankincense. Maybe they thought that the the, the special or the newer aromas selling on the market, like Juicy Couture or Light Blue Dolce & Gabbana uh, uh, and Red Door. And by the way, <laughs> these are some of my favorites, Okay. But maybe they preferred some greed, uh, sorry, creed, Aventus, or Armani code. Who knows? But regardless of their personal reasons, they substituted for something that was not commanded by God. And for offering what they wanted in its place, when the flame came, instead of the flame consuming the sacrifice, It consumed them, and their lives were immediately taken. This reminds me of other drastic instances that took place throughout biblical history, like in the New Testament. Ananias and Sapphira, y'all remember them, right? Of Acts chapter 5, who exaggerates their, their claim to the men of God and the people and what they gave to the Lord. They were pretending, and they didn't need to. They didn't need to be pretending. The land was theirs and whatever they sold it for, even that was theirs. And so together, the husband and wife, they conspired to lie, and they dropped dead right in the church. And then we go back to the, New the Old Testament, and then there is Sister Miriam in Numbers 12, who secretly spoke with Aaron against Moses because he had married a Cushite woman, a black woman, and God judged her with leprosy. And then we have the story of Azzam in Second Samuel 6, who steadies the ark with his hand because it's about to fall, right? And when he touches it, because he's trying to do a good deed, you know, he's trying to keep it from falling. Well, he drops dead. These are all tragic and, and that makes you wonder. It leaves you in awe. It makes you – it gives you feelings and leaves you with feelings of – my God, you're, you're, you're harsh. So what exactly is behind this story that we need to look at? What is God trying to tell us? First, we must understand their crime. Aaron's two sons were not guilty of ignorance. Okay, that's not what it was. It wasn't because they didn't know. There's a difference between someone struggling and not really knowing you know what it what what it is to please their boss or the parent or teacher, and, and and just keeps making mistakes, right? But no, Aaron's two sons were were guilty of willful, intentional, deliberate disobedience. They knew better. They had been prepared for the priesthood the priesthood calling, and in Exodus 30, it describes to us. In explicit details, the preparation and making of of the altar of incense and the other sacrifices. And in verse 9, it specifically says, no other holy incense shall you not offer. So all the priests knew their responsibilities and what was expected of them. But these two, they went against the direct command of the Lord. Their intent was presumptuous. You know, they were bold. That was a rash move. And, and they were arrogant in thinking that God wouldn't care about or mind what they did. But, oh, how wrong they were. I think it's important to pause here and answer this thought because God is not this cruel, harsh tyrant who abuses his sons and daughters that commit the slightest misstep, you know, to beat them over the head with a hammer. God is a loving father, and he wants us to succeed. Amen. When, when we think of that father or mother whose child is on the playing field, they are proud and they're cheering their child on. Well, that's Abba. He's cheering us on. He wants us to prevail. He desires us to succeed. He wants to see us produce and prosper. He wants us to win. That's his loving heart. And, and you know, we know that children – they make tons of mistakes, and we must allow them to make them. But if and when they do, we must lovingly redirect them so as to not break or crush their little spirit, amen? These precious little people, they, they're, they're learning and they're in training, so they're going to make a lot of mistakes. So there is a level of tolerance, if you would, that enables you as the mentor, the trainer, or the parent to be patient, right? Well, guess what? So it is with Abba, with our Heavenly Father. Isaiah 42 and verse 3 says, a bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not snuff out. In other words, those who are weak and depressed in spirit, those who are struggling, those who don't have it all together, but they're trying and they're learning and they're growing in the process, the Lord will deal with him graciously and not violently, even if he makes mistakes. And the wick where the flame of devotion may burn feeble or dim, he will kindly tend to it. He'll trim it, and he'll give it fresh oil so that it can burn more brightly. Amen? That's the kind of God that we serve. And we can see through our biblical history that God the Father has always been loving and patient and merciful and still is to his people. But there is something completely different about the Father's response to what we do when we intentionally disobey when we willfully disregard and display no honor or respect to follow his command. You see, Nadab and Abihu were distorting God's image before the people. By their very actions, they were teaching a wrong truth in that we can do as we please without consequences, without any regard to God and to the people it will affect. Now listen, they had just been appointed. And not appointed, but anointed for the position and have been given rights to serve as priests in the temple of the Lord. Never ever let your position or your title or the power given to you make you think that you are independent of God in his wisdom. Because, see, there was a time when Moses himself got into trouble with the Lord and it cost him greatly while he was leading the people in the wilderness they ran you know they had they ran into a need for water and so god gives him specific instructions of what he needs to do god was about to perform a supernatural intervention he was about to produce a miracle and so he tells moses to smite the rock and as he did water burst forth out of the rock and the people were able to drink to quench their thirst And be strengthened. But then in another very similar situation, the same need arises. The people are thirsty. But this time, God gives Moses different instructions. He tells Moses to speak to the rock. Now remember, in the first situation, he told them to smite the rock. But instead of obeying and speaking to the rock as the Lord had commanded, what does Moses do? He smites the rock in anger. Because he was angry with the people. And by doing so, he misrepresented God's image in the eyes of the people. And Moses would never enter the promised land. Imagine that. Why is all this important? Because within the patterns that God has set in place for the priest offerings and sacrifices, he was revealing bits and pieces of himself to the people. And by changing it, they were destroying his revelation of who he is. Moses had forfeited his right to enter into the promised land because of the grave sin of disobedience. When our actions teach a direct wrong, a direct wrong truth about who God is, judgment will follow. Chastisement will follow. The priests were to burn frankincense. That was the particular oil that God had chosen for the burning sacrifice because the fragrance of this special oil does not yield its aroma until it is burned. Now, this is a very instructive lesson for us today because frankincense is always connected to prayer. Listen carefully, beloved. Our prayer altar must be filled with a heart that is always thankful before the Lord. The sweet-smelling aromas that should burn out of our hearts should arise filling the atmosphere with thanksgiving and praise, not only for the good things we've received, but for the hardships and the fiery trials he's brought us through. Amen? When I think about frankincense and how it's aroma doesn't produce until it has burned. is how I think about our prayer life. For after we have come through, after we have endured the burning of our fiery trials, and after we have learned to rejoice and manifest this character through the hardship, then with a the heart of thanksgiving does, does our prayer go up before the Lord, and it is received as a sweet-smelling fragrance in his nostrils. Glory to God. So this is what the Lord was trying to teach about the offering of the incense every morning and every evening, which epitomizes a grateful heart that arises incessantly, constantly before the Lord, always burning in the hearts of men. And so altering the perfume was a direct violation, uh, a distortion of the holiness and purity of God's image. The offering had become marred. It became tainted. It got spoiled and disqualified because it got altered. They were forewarned but gave no weight, showed no respect or honor to God's word or to Moses' instruction. And this is why God judged them. Do you understand now? So for Abba to not judge the action would lead others to believe that it was acceptable to change God's design and and his order of things, to do whatever they felt was pleasing and acceptable and right in their own eyes. And this is how deception is taught and creeps into the lives of believers. Because the Bible declares that there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. That's Proverbs 14, uh, 12. The Bible also declares in Luke 12, 47, that the servant, the one known, the one having known the will of his master, but does not prepare or follow his instructions, shall be beaten with many stripes. Isn't this just like what we are witnessing today? People are believing that whatever produces any temporary happiness must be right. Man is doing what what pleases his own desires, and this is the very thing that is destroying people today. People even in the house of God have come to believe that they, they can fornicate, they can commit adultery, and still stand up to minister. They can shack up as lovers without being married and, and still worship, uh, offer up worship in the congregation of the saints, and that this is acceptable. It is an anti-God religious movement, a culture that has crept up on the sleeping church who has compromised and abused her position, and we won't address it or call it out because we are afraid. We pacify the word because we are afraid of rejection and becoming ostracized, criticized, and demoralized in the view of public opinion. But let me tell you something, baby. Jeremiah lived in a time where God told him in Jeremiah chapter 1, read it, that he was sending him to the families of the kingdoms of the north. God is fixing to deploy some of you, but not before, before touching your mouth. But you shall be a mouthpiece unto me, says the Lord, and you shall go to root out. You're going to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Glory to God. And he told Jeremiah... That he would utter his judgments against them, touching all their wickedness to those who have forsaken him. And listen, and who were burning incense unto other gods and who worshipped the works of their own hands. Look, God is not fumbling with his words tonight. He is speaking. Hear me, people of God. He also told Jeremiah, do not be afraid of their faces when you speak to them. For I have made you like a defended city with iron pillars and brazen walls against the whole land. They'll fight against your words. They'll fight against my truth, but they will not prevail against thee. For I am with thee to deliver thee, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Listen. When the prayers of our heart become a rehearsed recital of religious rants rather than a, a river of life, Flowing and pouring and streaming out of us, we are in trouble. When we look at the work of the priesthood in Leviticus chapter 9, it was done as the Lord had commanded, and it resulted in the manifested presence of God. God had showed up, but the two brothers violated their ministry, and they committed several transgressions in that. One, they took they each took his own censer and not the sacred utensils of the sanctuary and offered unauthorized incense. Two, they offered it together whereas the incense was only to be offered by one. Three, they presumptuously encroached upon the functions of the high priest for according to the law, the high priest alone, alone burnt incense in, in a censer. So the ordinary priest only burnt it on the golden altar in the holy place. So they usurped their authority. Number four, they offered the incense at an unauthorized time, since it was apart from the morning and evening sacrifice. Five, they didn't take fire from the holy altar as commanded. And so they offered strange fire, strange fire. Number six, they offered incense not compounded according to to the prescription. They filled their vessels with common fire instead of taking it from the holy fire of the altar, which was always used in burning incense. Every believer that has accepted Yeshua the Messiah as Lord is a priest and has a ministry. 1 Peter 2 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar, a special people to me, says God, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you from out of darkness and into his marvelous light. The only fire that should burn the incense within our senses is the fire caught from the altar of sacrifice. God must kindle the flame in our hearts, amen, for we are the sacrifice, as he has said. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, for this is our reasonable service. And when we do, it will rise up to heaven as a sweet-smelling aroma in our Father's nose. There's so much more, but I'm going to end this teaching here because there's so many pieces and so many things that we can dissect and, and peel back, but it's too much now. And once again, Father, I have delivered your word to your people. I have obeyed your voice. Now, Lord, sanctify them through your truth, for your word is truth. You always deal with us realistically and truthfully about everything. You are open and honest, and this is why we can trust you, guys. because you want us to win. So, Father, we pray tonight that we will no longer pretend or take your word lightly or take your respons- our responsibilities lightly, that our priesthood is a very serious calling. It inv- involves responsibility and accountability, and for us to be open and honest with you about the things that keep us from fulfilling who we are called to be and from the things that keep us from not walking holy. Forgive us, forgive our foolishness, forgive our ignorances, and help us to set up and become accountable. In Yeshua's name, amen. I don't ever want to close this program without extending an invitation to pray for anyone on the line or anyone who will will, uh, listen to the replay, who does not know Yeshua as Lord. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Friend, tomorrow is not promised to any of us. You may have been on the line tonight or you will hear the replay, but like many traveling through the oceans of life, life has been brutal to you. Life has been harsh. And you need a Savior. I want you to know that God loves you. The Father loves you. But it is our sins, our rebellion against God and his word that keeps us separated from him. But Yeshua is calling you tonight. He is saying, come on home, son. Come on in, daughter, for I, Yeshua, am the door to the Father. No man comes to the Father except through me. You see, salvation and eternal life is a gift that is made available to anyone who repents, who believes and confesses that Yeshua Hamashiach is Lord, and that he died and rose from the dead to save mankind. This gift is it is not something that you can earn by being good. It is a matter of faith and trust in a loving Savior. And if you would like to receive Yeshua into your heart, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of your son, Yeshua. Your word says, whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. I am calling on you right here and right now. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Wash and cleanse me in your blood. I ask you to come into my heart and be Lord over my life. And according to your word, I now confess with my mouth the Lord Yeshua and believe in my heart that you have raised him from the dead. I confess and receive that Yeshua is Lord of my life. I thank you for the gift of salvation through the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross. And by faith, I now receive this gift of eternal life. In Yeshua's name, I am saved today. Amen and amen. If you have prayed this prayer with your whole heart, I want to welcome you into the family of God. This is the beginning of a new journey. A new you. God has directed, has redirected your life. But you need to be discipled. You need to grow somewhere where you can grow and learn. And we would love to connect with you. If you don't have a home church and you live in the North Texas region, Grayson County County specifically, I recommend to you God's House of Faith and Worship Center located at 320 North Travis Street in Denison, Texas, where Pastor Dwight Thomas is the senior pastor. This is a biblically sound and thriving ministry that I love and I trust. Please use the contact links on our social media pages or website to let us know your testimony and how this ministry has influenced your life. To learn more, please visit www.NardaGoodson.com. Thank you for tuning in to Narda Goodson Ministries Teaching Broadcast. I am Narda Goodson, your host. Be sure to tune in next week at 9 p.m. Central Time for another powerful, life-changing, burden-removing, yoke-destroying, anointed word of God where Yeshua is Lord and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Good night.